Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 67 of Lifelong. I'm your host, Heidi Kumjan, and thank you so much for being here. Today, I have a solo episode in store for you, and I decided that today would be a great time to dive into detoxification pathways, otherwise known as detox pathways, and really talk about what they are, why they're important, and how we can all support them. I will be breaking down all of the details about detoxification pathways. Supporting them has been something that has been a part of my mission for a long while now, and I hope that you all enjoy this solo episode. Next week is my wedding week, and next week is my wedding week, and I have a really special episode coming out for you all just about my wedding and ways that I have implemented non-toxic living into my wedding, maybe some obstacles that I've faced with planning a wedding and non-toxic living and all the things. So stay tuned. Yes, I get married next week, Saturday, and super pumped to release that episode. But today we are talking detoxification pathways. Let's get right into it. So what are detoxification pathways? You might be familiar with the liver. I'm sure you are familiar with the liver. And I think in our mainstream world, the most basic understanding the average person on the street has of it is the detox organ. And this is absolutely true. Detoxing is a huge part of the liver and it's a major filtration system in the body. But little do a lot of people know that there are a lot of other very important organs involved in detoxification. And this is not to minimize the importance of the liver. You already know how much I am a fan of liver detoxification, liver support, all of the things that is just one component of the detoxification pathways. So essentially there are tons of different detoxification pathways. There is the liver, there is the kidneys, the GI system, the skin, and the lungs. And the world that we live in has become increasingly more toxic with the introduction of 2000 plus chemicals a year And without going into all those details, because I want to go into those details in a little bit, these detoxification pathways are very important to contributing to your optimal health and well-being. So one, two, all or some of your detoxification pathways become backed up, then it leads to a toxic burden, a higher toxic burden in the body because these toxins are not able to get out. So again, the world that we live in right now, it's becoming increasingly hard to get these toxins out of our body because they are really being bombarded at people through our modern world. Although you can make lots of great changes through your diet, through your home, through your personal care products that will make a profound difference. You can listen to pretty much every other episode of my podcast to learn more about that. Detoxification pathways in the human body are essential for maintaining health 
and preventing the buildup of harmful substances. So these get backed up. Like I said, it can lead to symptoms, disease, all the bad things. What are some of the things that the detoxification pathways are responsible for? They are responsible for removal of metabolic waste. So that, of course, would be cellular waste. That would also be waste from what we consume that comes out of the GI tract. Also, it is really an important way to get rid of toxins. I already said that, but I want to emphasize non-toxic living is step one, you know, reduce your toxic exposures. But step number two is support those detoxification pathways to ensure that toxins are getting out of your body. There's a lot of people out there that like to say, oh, we have a liver. We don't need to do anything. We can be exposed to all these different chemicals that are in our world from the PFAS in the straws or the cups or the dental floss or your nonstick pans or the phthalates that are in tons of personal care products, children's products, toys, or the lead that's in the paint and it's some people say, oh, it doesn't matter that we're being exposed to all these things that we're, be- that we're microdosing toxins on a daily basis because we have a liver, because our body will do the rest. And in a perfect world, yes, I do believe that is how God designed us. However, our species has never faced this level of toxic exposures. And you can see this with the increase in cancer, autoimmune, autism, diabetes, obesity, heart disease, the list goes on. All of that has been increasing and it is all linked to toxins. Not saying that's the sole cause for all of those. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. And correlation doesn't always mean causation, but there are numerous studies that show the link between toxins and certain types of cancers and toxins and and other neurodegenerative diseases. So toxins have no business being in our body. Our livers have been able to only do their best. And the more that we can support our liver and all these other detoxification pathways, like the skin, the lungs, the GI tract, and the kidneys, the better off her health is. So like I said, these de- these detoxification pathways are responsible for a removal of metabolic waste, elimination of toxins. They're also helpful in the prevention of oxidative stress because many detoxification processes involve the removal of free radicals and reactive oxygen species. And these harmful molecules can cause oxidative stress and damage your cells. So as it detoxification pathways help protect against oxidative damage and reduce the risk of chronic diseases like cancer, cardiovascular disease, and neurodegenerative disease. The next thing, our detoxification pathways are essential for is supporting immune function. And I feel like this is a little bit of common sense because Again, if our detoxification pathways are not functioning optimally, if they're backed up, these toxins are in the body and our immune system controls so much of our health, 
that it's no wonder that your immune system might be in a pretty weak state if your pathways are backed up. So if you're not pooping regularly, if you're not sweating, if you're sitting on your butt all day long and you don't shed a drop of sweat a day, at least a drop of sweat, that's concerning. Or there are tons of people out there that exercise and they're not able to sweat. I'll actually share. I remember back when I first started having health things go on, I was about 15 years old. And I suggest you listen to episode 12 of Lifelong Podcast to hear my full story. But really, thing kind of started when I was 15 years old, dealing with all these different health things. And I remember that I was always so proud that I didn't sweat. I was a girl. I didn't sweat. I was like in gym class. I always said I didn't need to really wash my gym clothes because I didn't sweat. I didn't need to wear deodorant. Like I didn't sweat. And I thought it was such a feminine thing to not be able to sweat. And I was proud of that. And honestly, I was someone who did not sweat until probably like five-ish years ago when I really started learning detoxification pathway, um, mold illness, environmental toxins, non-toxic living. When I really started learning more about that and healing my body, I then was able to And all these years later, I realized that my skin pathway was backed up. I wasn't able to sweat, which was really devastating because I wasn't able to get those toxins out through the sweat, through my skin. And according to numerous studies, toxins are able to leave the body through blood, sweat, and urine. And so sweat is a primary pathway for toxins to get out of the body. So sweating is something that I encourage everyone to do on a daily basis, at least a few times a week at the bare minimum. Some ways that you can induce sweating is exercising. That goes without saying, but focusing on exercising more so that maybe you're not someone who sweats, but keep exercising until you reach that breakthrough moment where you are able to sweat. Maybe you can run a mile without sweating. Aim for running. You know, it's like increase your exercise until you know what your threshold is that you're able to sweat. And eventually you'll be able to sweat earlier on in your workout. And it's a good thing. It's non-feminine to be sweaty. Like when I'm working out with my trainer, I'm always saying, oh my gosh, I'm so today. Like, yay, detox, whatever. And I'll notice that I sweat more after had like an exposure to something, which I feel so good about because I I know that I'm assisting my body in getting these toxins out of my body. So it's not urban legend that sweat come or that toxins come up your sweat like this is. So other ways to sweat, I said you can exercise, you can do the infrared sauna. Heck, do any kind of sauna. I just love the infrared sauna because it heals you at a cellular level. Um, And then Epsom salt baths are another great way to sweat. Even when you're in the water, you're still sweating, you're heating up the body. And I notice that my face starts to sweat, which I love. I love the feeling of sweat on my face, which is kind of gross to think about. But to me, I feel like when I'm able to sweat, when my pores open up and everything comes out of my skin, 
after that, my skin is so smooth. It's glowing. I feel great. I feel like I literally just paid $300 for a hydrofacial, but it will sweat daily at the bare minimum sweat weekly. Detox pathways also play a crucial role in regulating hormone levels in the body. Proper hormone balance is also crucial for various different bodily functions, including growth, reproduction, metabolism, libido, all the things. And so the more that we support our detoxification pathways, the happier our hormones are. And how many people listening have or know someone that have hormonal imbalance? It is the hottest topic right now because so many people are dealing with estrogen dominance, testosterone problems, weakened and lowered sperm counts, low libido, hormonal acne, endometriosis, painful periods, the list goes on, not to mention infertility. So anything you can do to support your hormones, it's always going to be worth it because our hormones control so much in the body. Detoxification pathways are also really crucial for cellular health. Cellular health is dependent on the removal of waste products and the detoxification of harmful substances. Healthy cells are the building blocks of our tissues, organs, and their proper functioning is vital for our overall. Another thing that detoxification pathways are great for is the prevention of disease, and I started the conversation today by mentioning that because when the toxins are stuck in the body, it can lead to adverse symptoms and it can lead to different diseases. So what are some of those different things that buildup of toxins can lead to in the body? Toxin buildup in the body can lead to a ton of adverse health effects, including brain fog and neurological issues, fatigue, respiratory issues, my hands up, I had all of those. It also can lead to hormonal imbalance and infertility, neurodegenerative disorders like Parkinson's, cancer, weight gain, kidney failure, and so much more. And again, there are numerous peer-reviewed studies out there, even meta-analyses that prove the link between toxins and certain types of cancers and certain types of neurodegenerative disorders and even brain fog and other neurological issues and respiratory issues. Like the studies are out there. Do your research, do the digging, continue listening to podcasts like this to learn more, stay hungry, stay curious. And at the end of the day, like you are doing your best for your health. You are investing your time which is an investment into your health. And that's super cool. So I commend you for being here. Thank you so much for being here. Like when I start my episodes by saying that every week, I truly mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being because you're doing this for you and you're doing this for the other people that haven't yet got to listen to this podcast where the more people that do listen to this podcast, the more the word gets out there, the more people I can reach, the more people I can help and the this movement gets gains momentum. So we're in this together. You're amazing. I had to take a second to just shout you out and show some appreciation because I just love all of my listeners and my subscribers and continue to come back for more because I will keep providing for you. So what the heck has been going on in the last 
couple decades. Chemical exposure is on the rise. The CDC actually measured, in a study, they had measured 1,500 people for the presence of 212 different compounds. And almost all of them tested positive for, I'm not even going to be able to pronounce these, but acrylamides, cottonine, trilothal methane, BPA, phthalates, chlorinated pesticides, even DDT, triclosan, organophosphate, pyrethroids, heavy metals, aromatic hydrocarbons, polybrominated diphenyl ethers, benzophenones, perfluorocarbons, and PCBs. So almost every single person tested for all of those. They were tested against 212 different compounds, but those were the top occurring ones that occurred in most of the population. So again, it was 1,500 people and majority of them had all of those different chemicals within. So that goes to show like the presence of these different chemicals and I guess the amount that we're exposed to. So they're the chemicals that we are exposed to the most. Sorry, that was a very botched way of saying that before. And then I do want to remind you all of toxic bucket example. So a lot of times there are people that get a little confused. And trust me, I was there back in the day where they, if Sally and Sue grew up in the same house, but then enters college and has a whole onset of health issues that start occurring, whereas Seuss enters college and she has nothing happen to her health. They have different toxic. So, for example, Sally might have had certain exposures that her sister Sue didn't have, even though they were... Maybe Sally was a soccer player and she was on turf every day, all day long, and she was also drinking Gatorade every day to hydrate and she was also wearing toxic jerseys and she was also in cars traveling with her team that had a lot of toxic air fresheners, What? You get the point here. They, Sally might have had more exposures to certain things, whereas Sue maybe didn't have as many exposures. And maybe Sally got exposed to a virus like Epstein-Barr or different things that lowered her immune system. And maybe she liked to swim a lot and was getting exposed to a lot of different chlorine, whereas Sue maybe uh, was more into yoga and meditation and did that at home and also had like a lower system, yada, yada. So the story that I'm trying to paint is a story, a picture of these buckets. So imagine a bucket, maybe of water, of liquid, whatever it is, and every person gets one. And every exposure through our life that adds to our bucket. Everyone has these different exposures, different amounts, even genetics play a big role into this. So my example using two sisters maybe wasn't the best, Um, but there are certain genetics that make it trickier to detoxify like the MTFR gene and the HLA-DR gene. There's a whole uh, list of different genetics that uh, a person more predisposed to difficulty detoxing. So anyways, over the years, these buckets start filling up and what happens when it gets to the top? 
boom, it starts overflowing. Now Sally has, she's breaking out in rashes. She has shortness of breath. She has acne that she never experienced. She has hormonal imbalances. She's having trouble focusing at school. She has brain fog. All of a sudden, it's like, boom, these symptoms all came out of nowhere. She doesn't know what's going on. She's going to different doctors and doctors say, oh, fine. You know, everything looks good. You're healthy. You're just a college student. Like you're stressed, whatever. You're fine. No, you're her toxic bucket has now become so overflowing, whereas maybe her sister's isn't. Maybe her sisters never will overflow or maybe her sisters will overflow later in life. You never. The point is we all have toxic buckets and whatever we can do to lower our toxic buckets, the better. And it's worth it. And I say that because I have been there. I have struggled with an overflowing toxic bucket especially from mold illness and other environmental toxins. Again, listen to my story in episode 12 of Lifelong. But that analogy is one that I like to explain to people when they're... I got exposed to this pesticide and didn't have any reaction. So you shouldn't say that you had a reaction because I didn't have one. It's like we're not all equal here when it comes to our toxic burdens. It's so bio-individualized. And I didn't even get into the stress component or the component of the maternal aspect when the mom is pregnant, what were her exposures like, what were the mom's stress levels like, all of that kind of blueprinted into the child that then becomes. So a lot of times people could live, quote unquote, the healthiest lifestyle, but not realize, and, and then encounter all these health and they they break it all back down and realize, oh my gosh, my mom used to work in a factory and she was exposed to phthalate, which is true. There are actually a lot of studies about these women that worked in, it, it actually was um, PFAS and it was PFAS and phthalates. There's numerous studies of women that worked in factories and then their children were born with birth defects. So pretty wild stuff. Whatever you can do to reduce your toxic burden, the better. And again, today we're talking about step number two, which is supporting the detox pathways because inevitably we will be exposed to different chemicals. So what can we do to help them get out of our body? What are some ways to support your detoxification? So I already talked about some ways to support your skin detox pathway. Now let's talk about some of the other pathways. We can start with the liver. So some ways that I love to support the liver pathway include eating bitter foods, consuming bitter drinks like tea. Believe it or not, coffee is actually a bitter, but Don't get too excited there. A lot of people put sugar and different things into their coffee, which makes not bitter anymore. So consuming bitters is one of the best things for your liver. It stimulates bile and bile binds to toxins and that is all related to the liver as well. So bitters, another thing is gentle movement, twists and stretches. I love to turn my back um, in a chair. Remember that thing that there was always a student in class where they sat in front of you and they would kind of grab your desk and they would turn on and kind of stretch to the side, either side. 
that is a really good stretch um, to support your liver actually. So these twists, these side twists are really great for the liver, even stretching because the liver lives on that. The liver lives, <laughs> that's funny. Liver lives on the side of your body there. Another thing you can do are castor oil packs. I love a castor oil pack. What you do is you get some non-hexane, super clean castor oil in an amber bottle, organic castor oil. I like the Heritage brand. Put a little bit or a lot of it on your hand and then apply it directly on top of your liver. You could also pour it onto a piece of flannel. I like to just lather it in a super thick layer over my liver and then I'll take my piece of organic flannel and then place that on top of it. And then from there, I'll put on an old t-shirt that I don't care about getting oil on, even though I've um, gotten an oil stain from castor oil packs. And then I take my heat pack and apply that on top of it. And essentially, I just fall asleep. Some people like to do them in a timed fashion, maybe 20 minutes starting out. I like to do them overnight knowing that the heat's going to fall off and cool down and then the flannel is going to get all adjusted when I'm tossing and turning when I'm sleeping. So another really basic level to this is literally just applying castor oil and throwing on an old t-shirt and not even using heat or a piece of flannel. Like that's the simple way. It's maybe the, you know, if you're, if you're in a hurry or if you don't want to have such an intense liver support um, situation, you can do some people will throw on the castor oil before the infrared sauna over their liver just for ex an extra boost. I also like to take binders to support my liver. Um, I really love the Cellcore biotoxin binder. I also love the GI detox binder as well. Trying to think of other things for liver health. Dandelion tea has been something that I love lately. And yeah, so some ways to support other pathways of detoxification. So supporting your GI health is so important. And I think everyone listening to this is familiar with gut health and aware that gut health is a mainstream thing nowadays. And you see it on everything like gut health, anti-bloat, like all the marketing I feel like in the health world right now is centered around gut health. But what is it down to? Like, what are the real holistic ways to support gut health? And I have a long list of ways to support gut health, but I think number one comes down to nutrition. What are you eating on a daily basis? How are you nourishing your body? Are you eating ultra processed foods? Are you eating tons of seed oils? Are you eating pesticide ridden food on a daily basis? that's all going to damage your gut. Are you eating the same kinds of foods on a daily basis and there not a lot of variety in your diet? That is going to damage your gut. Our microbiome needs and thrives on diet. One way to increase this diversity in your microbiome, aka enhance your gut health, is to eat a variety of different kinds of food. Simple way to do this, if you're grocery shopping and you kind of have your, you always get, you always get your spinach and you always get your strawberries for your berries, change it up. Next time, get some red leaf lettuce 
and some blackberries. Like make these simple swaps, these simple tweaks. Yes, your spinach is healthy. Yes, your strawberries are healthy, but how can we add more diversity? I heard a statistic. It wasn't too long ago that our ancestors were eating over 300 different kinds of foods a year. And now down to like 40 different kinds of food. Think about what is the most unique food that I can introduce into my diet? How can I support my health? How can I get food more locally? How can I source food more ethically? Shopping farmers markets, getting to know your local farmers, growing your own food, tossing ultra-processed foods as a whole, or sticking to some of the better brands out there. I like Lovebird a lot, and I like Supernola and Bearded Brothers, Thunderbird Bars. There's a lot of healthier brands popping up, but keep in mind that not all quote-unquote healthy brands are healthy. Just sharing a few brands that I really do love and trust. The Lovebird Mission is one that I just super, super align. But anyways, stay away from ultra-processed foods. They are filled with junk. They are hyper-palatable, meaning that they are filled with certain flavorings and additives that make them more addictive in nature. They are usually um, high in flavor, high in salt, high in fat, high in toxins, all to get you addicted. That's why when you eat that, that one chip, you need another. And the studies show that these additives are more addicting than co- Once you start removing these from your diet, the less you'll crave them. And instead of looking at at it from a subtraction mindset, think of it from an addition mindset. So instead of, oh, I can't eat these certain foods, think of, oh my gosh, I can eat all of these beautiful foods. Like think about replacing it with five new incredible foods that you've never eaten before. Like my latest obsession is endive. Endive is a bitter green that I have swapped chips and crackers for in hummus, and I love it. And speaking of hummus, I now like to make my own because there are seed oils, even in a lot of the organic hummus brands. I still eat store-bought hummus, don't get me wrong, but I do like to make my own because then I trust the ingredients and know, okay, are my chickpeas truly organic? What kind of oil is going into it? What kind of herbs are going into it? Where did these all come from? You know, I like to grow my own herbs. I like to source my olive oil from Italy. And then I like to get chickpeas in a glass jar that are... I'm at that level. I'm not saying that everyone needs to be at that level. I'm also not perfect. I just said I do like store-bought hummus and I do buy it on occasion. Making these upgrades, becoming aware is so freeing and your body will thank you because you will reduce your inflammation. You'll boost your immune system. You'll support your detoxification pathways. Your tummy will feel better. You'll feel less bloated. You'll feel happier because of the gut brain. Start thinking seriously about what you are eating and truly the seed oils, read the labels, avoid things like canola oil, rapeseed oil, grapeseed oil, soybean oil, cottonseed oil. The list goes on. Avoid them because they are highly inflammatory and dangerous to the body. And I have an episode with Really Tan Man all about seed oils, which I will link in the show notes because I encourage you to listen to that episode and to learn more about seed oils. 
Nutrition is number one for supporting your gut health and some other ways to support your gut health after you address nutrition is to think foods, warming foods and warming beverages because from the Chinese medical, uh, ancient Chinese medical philosophies is that warming foods actually help the gut and heal the gut and aid, um, aid and digest. Those are some things you can do. You can also skip drinking anything when you're eating because our body naturally produces enzymes and if flush it with water or liquids then those enzymes go away and it makes it harder to digest skip the water at meals drink it before and after don't skip your water and like during day like i'm not saying don't drink water just don't drink water don't just slosh it down with all your food because you want those beneficial enzymes Another thing that I love doing for my gut health recently is drinking aloe vera juice. I love the Lily of the Desert brand because it doesn't have any additives and it's certified organic. And what I do is I throw it in a shot glass and then I take a glass of my filtered water and shoot it back. And I'll also add it to my smoothies. You can also get the frozen um, at the grocery store. One of my favorite ways to support my kidneys is by drinking high quality filtered water and I have tons of episodes on water. I get questions about water all the time. Personally, what I do is I have a Mountain Valley Spring subscription and that means we have a huge five gallon water cooler situation. There's no plastic. It comes in a um, five gallon jug and then we put it on top of a ceramic um, water cooler thing. It's not temperature regulated and it's not plastic. I like room temp water because it's better for your gut health. Like warm beverages are good for your gut. Um, But for the kidneys, water, getting adequate water, getting adequate mineral. I like Redmond Real Salt. You can do a pinch of that in your water. You can also do electrolytes. People really like the Relight brand. I believe that's also through Redmond Real Salt. And another thing with the kidneys is addressing mold illness. Actually, one of the top mycotoxins, one that I had elevated, ochratoxin A, is very damaging to address mold toxicity for your kidneys. And you will be thanking yourself. Other detox pathways, the skin, I talked about sweating, the lungs, you can practice deep breathing, optimizing your indoor air quality, toss the toxins, get rid of anything that will add VOCs to your air, volatile organic compounds like cleaning products or mold or um, fragrance that's found in candles, it's found, even it's in baby doll, or I'm sorry, in garbage bags. It's wild where fragrance is popping up these days. So I've shared an exhaustive list of things you can do to support your detoxification pathways. I have educated you all about why it's important to support your detox pathway and what they are. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Looking forward to doing more about detoxification for your health and for longevity. And I'll see you all next week. Special wedding episode coming up real soon. Thanks, everyone. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at lifelong underscore pod and at holistic with Heidi? 
If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.